0: Anyway, what are, what are you up to? Like, how are you teaching or how much are you teaching or how much are you not teaching? I'm not
1: doing any teaching this week because Heath has hand, foot, and mouth. Um... Yay.
0: Yay, hand, foot, and mouth. <laughs> but, yeah, it was pretty madness. Anyway, um, I, ju- I just wanted to point out We'll get into it. This is Emily Squires. Uh, For those long-term fans, I I just did some research. Uh, You were in Episode 7 of the Chattering Classes, and this is Episode 121. Oh, wow. So uh, it's been nine years (laughs) since the last time. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: So what's happened (laughs) in nine years?
1: (laughs) Everything. yeah nine years ago what year is it now 2022 yeah so
0: 2013
1: yep wow wow um lots happened uh <laughs> every, everything yeah um, everything yeah so my gentleman friend moved in with me
0: yeah
1: um and then i did that terrible thing of I was a north sider and now I'm a south sider.
0: South side of Canberra, yeah. yeah. So south side too. You're in the mountains.
1: Yeah, I remember thinking once I'm like never moving to Tuggeranong. Like that's never happening. <laughs> it
0: happens.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. The um, weird, weird tribalism in Canberra of like being north side and south side, and yeah, I don't I, quite yeah, understand it.
1: Living on the north side and like having to play soccer at Corwell, and, and you have to take a packed lunch. It's <laughs>
0: the cooma yeah I mean, north cooma it's so bad yeah now we live at like as far nearly as far north as you can get in uh, the act where now we where we are yeah. so I, again like you're like oh we would you ever move there and you're like no that just <laughs> doesn't make sense yeah. the north side makes sense to me like it's very strange it's a weird yeah. weird place that they that settles in yeah. um, and I, i'm sure i've talked to you this before but how long have you been in canberra now
1: Nearly 20 years. So right. I moved here the day of the bushfires in
0: 2003. 2003. So those of you who don't know, uh, two thousand. it was 2003, January, I want to say.
1: The 13th, I
0: think. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah horrendous bushfires through the south yeah. of Canberra. Um, I don't know. How long did that rage for?
1: Um. I don't remember the details. Mm the top of my head, but I think five people died, five homes got destroyed.
0: Yeah, and there's a whole swathes of of Canberra which are still, especially in terms of the trees, is still recovering. Yeah. Um yeah, right. So that's when you moved. Good times.
1: Yeah. So I mean it didn't. I moved into the north side and so it didn't really affect us. But it was a weird experience coming to a new place and I still didn't kind of know Canberra geographically.
0: Yeah.
1: And we're listening to the ABC radio and the sirens and emergency, and they're reading out like lists of suburbs to evacuate, and not having any kind of bearings or sense of how far right. anything was. That was a very strange experience, but you know, not nearly as traumatic as some people had.
0: No, and so where where did you come from immediately? I from there? came
1: from the Northern River to New South Wales. Yeah, need Armadale and then they offered me a job, like a permanent teaching job in Canberra and versus I had been kind of waiting around for New South Wales education to give me a call. Yeah,
0: right. The
1: prospect of doing relief lessons in Lightning Ridge or somewhere. <laughs> we were like, hey, would you like a permanent job full yeah. time? Sure, let's go there. Yeah,
0: let's go there, right. Well, you went from Armidale to Canberra. You like the same wintry climate. It's pretty. Well,
1: I didn't really think about the climate at the time, but it yeah. is similar.
0: It is similar, isn't it? Yeah. Um, wow.
1: More than I've ever seen in Canberra. So.
0: right, fair enough. That's true. Yes, it does happen a lot. Um, so yeah, wow. You move when the bushfires cranked up. Now I wanted to ask you. Really, is uh, like you said, you, you moved in with your gentleman, um, your gentleman caller, shall we say? Um, <laughs> that and sounds
1: like something else. Yeah, also. that sounds
0: like something else. But that's fine. Uh, <laughs> and then you. Got pregnant! Hooray! Yeah, and yep. your and your due date was what? April?
1: Yeah, April, April twenty twenty. So I started my maternity leave like two or three days before the first COVID lockdown.
0: Yeah, right. well wow. a bit
1: stressful and interesting, and yeah, uh, yeah. So now I'm the mother of a two year old, two years and five months or something. It is. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, and he is. Uh, so what was the What was that experience like, like to actually give birth in a lockdown, especially the first lockdown when there was a lot, I guess, a lot more uncertainty and a lot more, well, complete uncertainty, not knowing how long. Well,
1: I don't have any, I only have one child. I don't have anything to compare it to. Right, right, right. Um, uh, It wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Yeah. I was sort of picturing having to like... Like all the, the nursing staff in the wards being done up with like full,
0: pee-pee. right? Yes, yeah, so you in a bubble and all that kind of stuff.
1: My vagina with the-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Well, um, mask on. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, that's what I sort of pictured, but they didn't have any PPE on, right? And even at that stage, that was still when there were like no masks and no one could get hand sanitizer and all of that, right? right,
0: right. Yes, yeah, so it was a, like, don't touch everything, wash your hands all the time, keep washing your hands breathing fine, yeah. but you can get it sanitize your groceries that kind of thing
1: yes I mean I remember being like extremely pregnant and yeah. going to the shops in lockdown and coming home and sanitizing everything and my you know Nick's just standing there kind of shaking his head going it's okay like <laughs> there's no COVID in Canberra yet and yeah, yeah. what nearly 10 months pregnant and <laughs> um, yeah so and it wasn't like I hadn't planned for anyone else except nick to be in the birthing suite yeah so the fact that we couldn't have family in at that time like didn't really make any difference um they planned to come like a couple of days after we got home basically so it just meant that first few weeks afterwards we had no one around yeah um which you know might have Like I said, I don't have anything to compare it to, but that could also be a good thing. Like we had our own space. Mm. We didn't have although we didn't have any help, we also didn't have any hindrance either, you know.
0: I know what you mean. You didn't what you you know what you avoided, you avoided the pop-in. You avoided just people popping in just to say hello and give you things and sleep
1: surprise. Yeah, exactly. Everything you feel like surprise.
0: Yes. We bought look, we bought you food and Presents, be thankful. We're here, yay! And then you're like, "All right, my brain's needs to just sit on the lounge and not talk." And yeah, yeah. yeah. I I always remember that was one of the things, especially in the first few weeks, was people would come over with the presents and all that stuff, and then you would they would ask you you retell the birthing story eight million times, and I would you would get heightened again. That's what I was always feeling. I'd get a slight adrenaline rush because you're reliving. Yeah, like the most heightened part of your life, and then yeah, you were just like, right. Well, I was going to have a nap, but that's not going to happen now. And <laughs> just like, oh no, yeah. So I guess having that little bubble must have had its uh, nice points as well.
1: Yeah, it definitely did. Um,
0: but how it- long was it until well, your, in you particular went- your your family could come and visit?
1: Um, I can't remember when my family came down, but the in-laws came the first of May. Like right. that when the lockdown opened and they, bam, they were here.
0: To yeah, see uh, that makes sense, yes.
1: Uh, and it was nice. Like by that time we were definitely ready for visitors. Yeah. Weeks after. Um, and my, I think my mum, my sister was the next visitor and my parents come from a long way away and were also caring for my elderly grandfather and don't, right. didn't have any other support. So they couldn't just kind of drop everything and come down. Um, so I think my dad didn't meet Heath. Until it would have been June when my grandfather got sick and we did a flying emergency visit when he was in hospital. Yeah. Um, so it was very strange kind of not having family around and thinking that you'd, not, not not really expecting, but kind of imagining that there would be particular family experiences that just never happened. Yeah. But also I've, as an adult, I've never lived in the same place as my parents. Mm-hmm um so i've never had the kind of like weekly family dinners or family just popping in for something like that's not part of my experience and nor is it part of nick's experience either
0: so yeah yeah it's the same with us it's uh you know living away from our families you don't you hear those lovely stories of people who say oh you know every second weekend my children stay at My parents' house, and you're like, oh, what? What?
1: This (laughs) is the thing.
0: (laughs) That's the thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Every second weekend, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. They love it. Oh, I bet they love it. That's great. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it's all about. How much they love it. Yeah, yeah. That's true. It. Yeah, right. But I, I mean, you'll find, and I'm sure you have found, that's the same thing we experience too. Is that the the grandchildren get that rush of excitement when the grandparents come to visit or when you go and visit them that is I mean it probably still happens with uh, a lot of grandparents anyway but I remember like Violet especially when when the grandparents came to stay she was beside herself and <laughs> the more you could keep it a secret the better the surprise was And yeah. a couple of times like her cousin would come down um, and she wouldn't know and then all of a sudden he'd just be in the house and they completely freak her out for a second she <laughs> Lose a mind. And yeah, that kind of stuff's really, really good. I, I wanted just to um, ask you a few questions about like the comparison to like how much anxiety or how much stress did you have before Heath was born? And or, or maybe, maybe if I frame it like this, like what were, what were you expecting would be the most difficult aspect of having a baby? Compared to having a newborn, I guess. Compared to the reality of it, can you remember? Because it's.
1: Um, I don't really remember. Um, the more stressful things were. Um, in January when there was a bad fire in an national park.
0: That's right. Yep.
1: and we I live in Tuggeranong very close to one of the hilltops, mm-hmm. which, um, like the very, I think the most southern, southerly suburbs of Canberra, like Gordon and Banks, they put on alert, like oh, Thawa was evacuated or nearly evacuated. Yeah. If they'd had the same kind of fire spotting that they had for the 2003 bushfires, like our house could have burnt down. Right. It was away on a work trip. I went and stayed with a friend on the north side of Canberra that night. That was kind of the most scary thing. So I, you know, I was only what seven or eight months pregnant at that stage.
0: Right. So what we're talking about here is like most people's stress and anxiety of having a newborn was pretty much superseded by, uh, you know, pretty pretty hardcore. Those of you who remember like 2019, 2020, worst bushfire season in history, um, and then. Global pandemic. So I guess a bit. of You had some nice perspective thrust upon you in terms yeah. of um, newborn stress.
1: I, to be honest, I remember realizing afterwards I didn't actually do that much research about what you've got to do when you have a baby,
0: and I don't know why. I, I, I would have. See, I wouldn't have expected that. I always found you like a well-prepared, efficient teacher.
1: Yeah, and I didn't really. <laughs> do I don't know why I didn't do more reading like I remember reading a book about being pregnant and what to expect and you know there's various issues pop up during your pregnancy that you do your research about and that kind of stuff but um um I think I maybe expected to be told like what to do by somebody and I went to birthing classes and I think at the last one they sort of get you to practice putting a nappy on a doll and that kind of stuff. And I went to breastfeeding classes and, or one class, I should say. And I think I maybe kind of expected them to tell me what to do. And then of course they don't. I mean, (laughs) find out bits and pieces eventually. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't really worried about becoming a parent. I don't think I was, actually the thing I was more worried about was after the baby period, Uh, when the kids are a bit older and the routine would become monotonous like that. I'd seen it with um, some children of family members and kids chucking, you know, the witching hour and the kids chucking tantrums and the fights with the bath and getting them to bed and all of that kind of stuff. What I feared the most about being a parent was getting to the point of in those routines and absolutely hating it. Right. Um, I think living, like, on my own for so many years and having so much freedom to do whatever I want, whenever yeah. I want, I feared that the loss of that freedom from having children would make me resent my children. Right. I think the thing I feared most. Um, but the actual sort of newborn and young baby stage, I wasn't fearful or anxious about any of that kind of stuff.
0: Right. That's interesting because, right, I, I guess... Yeah, when when you see that before you have kids and you see the tantrums and the and you, the complaints you hear about, yes, like getting the them to eat, and all yeah. Of, yeah. eating and getting them dressed and going out somewhere and them napping and all of that stuff. Yes, I know what you mean. You, your life becomes. I mean, even as teachers, we like order and we like structure, and and the, these things that you invite into your life into your life they don't value the same amount of structure that you do or the same ideas and i, I wow, well, i found that from the start though that that was always like oh my god there's no order there's no order or structure to this thing strangely enough it seems really independent i don't understand yeah. um
1: well, in some the actual order and structure we had some of it kind of thrust upon us so Breastfeeding didn't work for us. Um, I won't go into the gory details about that stuff.
0: The gory Um, details, okay.
1: You know, personal stuff. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so we had to formula feed Heath and he also lost, like, too much weight while we were in hospital. And so we had to formula feed him, like, every three hours. So this timetable essentially was forced upon us, which did us some good because um, I heard lots of stories from other people who've become mothers around about the same time as me that were breastfeeding. They, um, they couldn't get any kind of routine with their kid because yes. the sort of breastfeed whenever, and the kid would nap whenever. Yeah. And so getting any kind of routine and predictability in their life was really
0: difficult. So It's always a, always a good piece of advice for new parents is that you don't write down when they sleep like to find a pattern that was the advice I was given like are you writing down like when they're sleeping yes don't do that because <laughs> there's there's no pattern you have to wait yeah. like a few months at least for there to be a pattern because you send yourself crazy like no they should be they've napped the same time two days in a row therefore we can plan around this and that like that kind of stuff just yeah drives that's you nuts.
1: what would yeah that also got me when I'd feel like okay this thing has happened a couple of times i think i know yeah. what's going on here and then bam no that pattern no longer exists
0: yeah well sometimes it's months they go, yeah this is we're into a oh no yeah teething has begun and that's all out the window and oh god i don't know uh if he's like doing he's in daycare as well but we found both our kids when they started daycare their sleep got like, night terrors and things like that that's pretty standard as well just oh it's just a lot we are like routine oh no no routine yeah
1: yeah he we're really lucky he transitioned really well to daycare
0: yeah
1: um even the like orientation sessions were really good he was like cool look at all this new stuff to play with yeah. see ya <laughs> oh you were gone for a while i didn't even notice
0: yeah great
1: so, i you know there's probably lots of parents who might be listening to this going shut up i don't <laughs> like this stuff.
0: yeah there's balance there's always balance
1: um He's a pretty good kid. He's pretty easy, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is everyone warning you about, like, what's about to happen? Uh,
1: (laughs) No, we haven't had much of that. Yeah. I I remember having a friend who has two children. They're a lot older than Heath. um, And she hated everyone giving her the horror birthing stories. Yeah. Um, But I never really had many of those. Um, A few, but not too many.
0: No. I like that. People like to share, like the worst, like when they finally find out they're pregnant. You, you meant to make them feel terrible, like oh, you never sleep okay. and all this stuff. Like oh, it's, it sounds really terrible. Yeah. Why do people have children? Oh, it's yeah. good. You, know, <laughs> but you, you can't say that. You have to just talk about how terrible it is. Yeah, that's yeah. It's, yeah. We, so we, what? Go on. So what did you? What did you learn about yourself?
1: I that um I could never be a full time mother, right? Um, so my Heath was about nine and a half months when I went back to work, mm-hmm. um, and that was yeah I think too long. I think being at home, and I was probably I sh- sort of sheltered myself a bit longer or a bit more than perhaps I would have done if COVID hadn't been around. Yeah. Because I'd been, like, really worried about him catching it. Um, and even though I think at that stage we still didn't really have any COVID in Canberra, there was always kind of the threat of it. And my world just kind of shrunk. And right. um, I ended up with a bit of, like, mild postnatal depression and I went to some counselling and that kind of thing. And I think it was just because I wasn't doing enough stuff outside of home and him and yeah brain was slowly turning to mush and well yeah. about things that didn't really matter so much and right um yeah so i guess the main thing i learned is that i, I well i think i'm a, at least a reasonable parent but doing it full-time just being at home with a child or multiple children is not for me
0: and did it did it change like how you valued work like did you see um,
1: yeah, not how much I well, yes. Um and I think I used to work not too much, but you would know as a fellow teacher how much teaching can just swallow up your life. Yeah. Because there's always something else that you could be doing, like adding to or making better or fixing or whatever.
0: Yes. Um
1: so, and I don't really, it's sort of made me think about work a bit differently and definitely made me value work, but not in the sense that I undervalued it before. I don't really, I haven't been asked this question before, so I haven't had a chance to get my ideas together to be able to articulate them.
0: Well, I, I, one thing I found especially was that i think i became a more efficient teacher with that i i spent less time because i had less time you you spend less time on like you said doing trying to make everything better everything better and preparation preparation but i think i was more efficient with the the less time that i had because it's when you're at school like you have to work i guess
1: yeah Yeah. and you can't like i In some ways, it's made me more decisive in saying, okay, that's enough. I'm not doing any more because I can't spend any more time on something. Right? I have to say no to more things.
0: Yeah. That's a good way to put it.
1: Um, So that has helped. But um, it's also, yeah, I guess becoming a parent has made me see how important that part of my life is in terms of that, the connections with other people, um The kind of intellectual stimulation, the, yes. the contact with yeah, the contact with other people, but also the worlds and their experiences and all the conversations you have and all that sort of
0: stuff. Did you feel that like the first day, like when you came back and started, you went back into the classroom? Wasn't that just like a? Like it was this? a
1: bit. Of, I felt like, oh, this is mother old me again.
0: Right, yeah. right. That's very important, isn't it? The- like
1: yeah. I had lost that part of me, yeah it was, um it was very easy, kind of even though I was basically at an almost brand new school, um and I still had to learn a lot of new things um it just felt like slipping back into you know an old pair of shoes to use the cliche,
0: yeah but yeah well you you worry about like well, can i i mean having like you said ten months off or however long it was for you, like I feel the same after summer holidays when you come back like can i am i can i do this am i still like have i lost it like even having six weeks off so like after 10 months i would imagine you would be like oh what's it gonna be like oh no it's the same right got it
1: yeah pretty much
0: takes about two seconds yeah oh yeah right not much has changed um so yeah so you have heath in the middle of the pandemic and um in and out of lockdowns and things like that but he's too young to work out any of that stuff happening i'm sure Mm -hmm. um that it's working there but yeah um what are what are you actually or what are you looking forward to for for him i guess in the next few years
1: um do you mean in terms of what he's like as a child or sort of opportunities for him
0: i guess the opportunities like like, what are you? I guess, what are you interested, or have? What are you thinking about? Like, what's something that you are excited to show him, or wanting to to do with him? I guess.
1: Um, I think it's, I guess, about his world gradually becoming bigger and bigger, and yeah. being able to do, yeah, do. Not there's not one big thing, I guess, but lots of little things like. Um, you know, he hasn't been to the beach before, but we've had last summer was pretty crummy and did hardly any swimming and he loves the water. So actually spending more time at the beach and he's, you know, a lot older now. He can see a lot more and he's talk. his you know, ability to talk and communicate and yeah. Curiosity about oh look at this thing and look at that thing and yeah. um I get you know, doing I don't know, taking him to festivals or you know markets and just seeing new things and um not you know not being kind of confined to being at home
0: right yes yeah, yeah. and they become more active in the world and yeah. less just sitting there and staring at everything and then yes you know, they can get into it yeah that's good um I wanted just to to pivot a bit to something that I know you love and I love which is reading mm-hmm. And I found all these cool questions about reading and I haven't given you any preparation time. So okay. this is probably going to suck for you and you'll be like really annoyed that like you don't have time and, and stuff like that. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about books. Cause okay. I know you, I know you're a big reader. Um, I, well, I should ask you, are you still a big reader?
1: Not as much as I used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, not as much as I used to be a lot more audio books than I used to read. Yeah. Um, maybe i'm just getting old and tired at night so i just want to like <laughs> well you've collect. got a
0: two and a half year old that tends to yeah. happen it's a, yeah. a bit harder to you'd be at that stage now i'm sure where you're like oh i'm going to read my book and then two pages in you're like ah, yeah i'm
1: tired bed. Bed. <laughs> yeah um, yeah so it went you know dropped right away at some stages and then picked up again yeah um at others um I think I'm a more, not mature reader, that's a silly word to describe it, but I'm more willing to take on challenging reads than I used to even 10 years ago, even when I was an English teacher. I think my, just my skills as a reader and having more experience in the world helps me Hmm. connect with more challenging reads, I guess. Right. So I'm not as hesitant not that I was ever really hesitant but I think I get much more out of them and I'm more engaged in them now than I used to be
0: that's that's a great way to put it I've never thought about that like this developing a skill as a reader I know that's what we talk to our students about but I never considered that for myself of like oh yes I'm still developing the skill of being a reader yeah I found that I'm more willing to read um, more contemporary text I used okay. to be a real I guess snob would be a good way to put it like I needed I needed a book to be valued over time for me okay. to read it and it didn't have to be like this has to be written a hundred years ago otherwise I'm not touching it but you know I went even just working in a bookstore for you know eight months that I did it was just like everyone's reading the same four four books that come out you know I don't know what it was at the time. The time traveler's wife, or oh, yeah, or you know, like those books where you're like really popular fiction, and then I, but I'd be like, oh no, 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 I will wait. And if they're still being recommended to me later, um, but that that has changed fairly recently. Of just oh, okay. why don't you just read new? <laughs> you can read new books. That's fine. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Anyway, here here's the first question. Okay, I, which which is um, can, which was the first book that you can remember that you really connected with beyond just like, you know, here's books that I read. And when you're a kid and but which book really, the first one that you're like, right, this book's for me.
1: I don't know. I remember some books that I really loved, but I don't really know. I, I loved the babysitters club series when I was right. in primary school. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, uh, I mean, I remember being a late teen and reflecting on them and thinking, "Hang on, the characters in those books were like ten years old and they were babysitting small children <laughs> and they had a and their own telephone in their room and all." Yeah, mm-hmm, not, not realistic at all. <laughs> um, I, there was sort of um, the stories were, from what I remember them about those sort of family, friends, dramas, and a bit of adventure thrown in where there might be a mystery every now and then, but this idea of kind of this group of girls together and being responsible and solving problems and all of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And now I look back on my primary school age self and wonder whether, like, I had a group of friends at primary school But I went to an extremely small primary school. Like there was only eight people in my year group. Wow. And um, I I think a lot of that friendship that happens in schools like that is because you have to be friends with those people. Because if you aren't, who are you going to be friends with?
0: That's right. Yes.
1: I um I sort of wonder whether I was really yearning for a kind of deeper connection, bosom buddy, with someone and. Those books gave me, a, or I could be immersed in this kind of ideal of that extremely close friendship group. Right. Perhaps I was lacking, but I don't, you know, I don't think I would have been cognizant of that at no, the
0: time. No, that would be, i make you a very strange child if you were yeah. like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I've got an announcement to make. Yeah. <laughs> that would be str- All right, cool, cool. What about, um, which book do you think uh, changed you? So, be like, there's a, a marked difference before you read it to when you're after you, you read it?
1: I don't know, but the book that comes to mind is 1984. Yeah. Not so, I had to read it for three in English in year 12. And I remember reading it and finding it depressing. <laughs> I probably didn't really fully understand it at the time, yeah, and then um when i I don't think i tu- I wouldn't have touched it again, I don't think until I moved uh to another school, and yeah, you'll be teaching this um unit in this class these are the books that you can choose from to teach, and nineteen eighty four I think was the only one I was familiar with, so I was like, All right, I'll start with that one and reread it and Rereading it, being what would the age difference be? Like twenty years? No, fifteen years or something. Yeah. I was fifteen years older, something like that. Um, rereading it and going, holy hell! Like this book is amazing. And um, I just, I think that book is explains you know the essence of what it means to be a human but yeah. also explains so much of the terrible shit that happens in our world and how i guess the philosophy that comes out of that is that everything is about power yeah you know on you know between individuals in communities organizations political level families everything is about power and that you know o'brien explaining the party's workings to Winston towards the end of the novel, it was just like this kind of switch flicked for me. And I was like, that just explains everything, right? Yeah. Um, so it, I don't know if it changed me, but it gave me some kind of clarity or a way of making sense of lots of the crappy shit that's in our world.
0: Right, yes. How once people are in power, they will do whatever it takes to keep people subordinate but and, also following rules, but also the appearance of freedom.
1: Yes. But it's also kind of even on individual levels, like if we're talking about bullies on the playground or situations of domestic violence, it's people like they're, they feel so shitty about themselves or their own lives that it's the only way to get some sense of power and. Yeah control, even if it's not grandiose kind of power, that we all need some kind of sense of control over our lives and what happens to the people we care about. And making other people feel bad is a way of gaining some of that power. Yeah. Or if you look at, you know, people who are recruited to fundamentalist religious organisations, people who are living in poverty or who are downtrodden in some kind of way they're told that you will get control over your life and you'll find an answer and you can protect your loved ones by doing these things. And it's just another form of that exertion of power. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, for me, it just explains so much um, on so many levels.
0: So here's here's the question as an English teacher. Is it unreasonable for us to make 17, 16, 17, 18-year-olds read 1984 and then write a coherent essay response without us, like, going, oh, my God, listen to what they've written here. Listen to this bit. Oh, my God, they have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, sometimes I feel that way. It's like all these books that we love or that teachers voice on their students, I I didn't love them when yes. I was at school.
1: I, I agree with you. I don't remember loving 1984. But I think, um, yeah, there's always that issue of the differences in kids. Yes. And I know I've read some of the writing of students at school and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't teach you. You write better than me. You know more than right. I do. Right,
0: yes, that's true. That um, is true. Wow, and- like this person's smarter than me. That's clear.
1: Yeah, and I like I find that really intimidating and worry that I'm, you know, not a good enough teacher for them and that sort of stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: and for those kids, I think it's really important to have those high-level texts. Yeah. Um, but also for other kids who aren't at that level and and who were perhaps like me and needed, you know, just needed more life experience for Mm -hmm. the significance or for these books to be as powerful or to make more sense or whatever. Um, I think you still got to, like, you don't want to dumb it down for them. No. You want to kind of show them that these ideas are out here. And even if you don't really understand them yet, it's starting to build some connections and like opening the worlds bit by bit
0: yes that's within, a good way to put it
1: the way we assess it is another
0: yeah that's up. another problem isn't
1: it yeah and I don't want to talk about that when we're supposed to be having a nice time no
0: I understand I understand but <laughs> I know uh like 1984 for, for you but I, I I remember like uh studying we had to study Gatsby and I read it and I was like this book's so boring my god it's so dull um and nothing happens and whatever, and it's written, it's all stodgy language, and I don't understand any of it. And then I read it, you know, we had a half yearly exam, so I thought, oh, I better read it again, and I read it again, and I was like, oh, okay, yep, all right, I think i get a bit more of it. And then the night before my final exam, I read it. I basically just sat down that night and read it and went, oh, right, this is like the best book that's ever been written. (laughs) And it, that was the first time that I realized, oh, the more you, the more you read a text, the more yeah. you get out of it. Like yeah. it's that's a ridiculous thing to have to learn, but we don't. That's you just learn it by learning it. Yes. Um, if you if you want to be, but that's probably like the book that then I was like, oh, okay, right. If I'm an English teacher, that's what you have to do. Yeah, is try and encourage people to read it. I get a hard reading at once. Let alone getting students to read it more than once. But
1: yes, and I think that's the it's like most things, right? Um, teaching young people to persist with something and that you have to do something numerous times or in different kinds of ways in some trial and error. Yeah. For there to be for the kind of wonders to be shown to be revealed of that thing.
0: Um, yes, I had that's a similar
1: it. experience with Gatsby. I had to read it for first year uni. You know, we had to read like a book a week or something. Yeah,
0: I was, that's, I'll try and explain that to students. Like, you know, I had to, you have to read a book a week. Uh, and sorry, this book's 600 pages. So you get two weeks to read it. You know, like, wow, it's 600 pages and the writing's really small. And yeah. holy shit. And I've, I've spent an hour reading 20 pages. And yeah, yeah that is that is pretty intense. Um
1: and then but again reading it as an adult like 15 or 20 years later and going this is freaking amazing. Yeah. Um but then also like learning more about Fitzgerald's life like he was an asshole. Like
0: yeah. Yeah. he
1: was not a nice person and the crazy life him and his wife had and it's just like layers and layers of
0: interest. Well, it's like the um <laughs> you know like we're having a, a very proper Conversation about literature, but in Hemingway's A Feast, where it's all like basically his diaries from um, living in Paris in the 20s. And you're just reading this story about, like, oh, I met Fitzgerald. I- I'm sure most of it's made up to make Hemingway seem like he's just a genius all the time. But yeah, there's this whole story where Fitzgerald's like, I need you to come in here and I need to talk to you about something and I need to ask you a question. And he's like, oh, what? And he's like, can you look at my penis? And tell me if it's a good enough size, because my wife at at every party we go to, she tells everyone I have a small penis and you're like, oh, my God, this couple, what's going on? She gets drunk and like tells everyone up. You're like, oh, my God, that is not cool. And you're like, this isn't a book. Like he just said, oh, I'm going to write this story now.
1: Just, I mean, I'm not going to start talking about the story of their life. People can read about that for themselves. But, yeah, just like crazy after crazy after crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Who can destroy the other? That seemed to be their goal. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't, wasn't a fun even, time. You
1: know, the external forces working upon them, like yeah, self right. was killed in a fire in a yeah. mental asylum. Yeah. Oh.
0: yeah, and oh. you're like, oh, okay. But then, yeah, you, when you first read it, you're like, oh, I have to read this book. And the end, and what what am I meant to write about? And it's like you have yeah. to write an essay about. Do other characters authentic? And you are like, I don't know, I have yeah. no life experience, and I know. And well, like, like
1: asking students to evaluate the quality of something, I'm yeah. like I, I know
0: it's so strange, isn't it? Yeah, but it is. I don't know. It is one of it's. You know, it's something that I guess you want to try and, like you said, you want to give the chance that. Someone will want to do it because the difference from me, from year twelve to when I went to uni and was studying English and studying literature, was you would read a book a week and you would pull things out of it and you can write two thousand words because that's what you want to do. It, it's trying to get them to a point that they want to do it. I guess. Yeah, that's the hard bit. Once yeah. they start. Anyway, we were getting sidetracked about like what's good about teaching. Let's yeah. get away from that. Um, all right. Well, I just want to the other one I just wanted to finish with was what's a good book you've read recently. Because I'm interested, you said you like wanted to read like difficult or challenging books. I want yeah. what what are some of the
1: what well, I can't actually remember now that's, that's...
0: it's been so long. You
1: drive your brain
0: Yeah, I understand. It's getting late in the evening and <laughs>
1: Yeah, you should have prepped me for these. Yeah, quick.
0: yeah, you're probably right. That's all right. You can take your time. I'll just cut out the pause.
1: Okay. I enough.
0: always forget that we can do that. You don't have to there's no <laughs> like, oh, that's silence. Oh well that'll be hard listening. Oh no, we just cut it out.
1: No. Limited Zoom, so you don't have to worry about. It. <laughs> um, oh, man. I did read um Tara June Winch's The Yield. Right. Um I actually read it while I had COVID last school holidays. <laughs> Um, Me
0: too. Oh, I didn't read it, but, yes, I had COVID. Last school holiday's fun.
1: So did half the teachers in Canberra. It did
0: seem that way, didn't it?
1: Um, So, yeah, I'd heard, I'd first heard about it on the series, the Claudia Carvin, the books that made us series, and it was spoken about briefly there, and I thought, right, I'm going to get hold of it. And actually I had, I don't buy brand-new books very often, Usually go to these access libraries or secondhand books, but I was given a a voucher mm. approaching the end of my pregnancy of like congratulations, blah blah blah, and I still hadn't spent this voucher until for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend this book voucher. Was so exciting and like yeah, absolutely. And hour on my own without a small child in a bookshop, that was very
0: nice. That sounds nice.
1: Bought the yield. Um, finally got around to reading it. Um, I really liked it. I found it really. Powerful and moving and engaging. Some stuff about the ending I found really frustrating, like in terms of quality of the book. But that could just be that English teacher part of my brain.
0: Endings are hard.
1: Nice cohesion and things working together. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I really liked it. Hmm. The yield. Yes, the Uh, yield.
0: Add it to my long list of books. Well, anyway, we're going to wrap it up. Because I don't want to keep you too much longer and everyone right. needs everyone needs to start getting ready for bed at yeah. this time. Um
1: I haven't heard any more screaming from the girls, so
0: no. I that's a, more of a worry. They're probably locked in their rooms and I don't know where the cat is, and the cat's probably gonna wanna scratch someone's head off when they get out. So but it's yeah, it's been pleasant. Um yeah. we'll have to catch up. I've got lots of books here. Um, because I, I made a pact to myself that I would stop buying books, but it didn't last probably a week and in fact it lasted like a day because I made that and Noelle was with me and I said, I'm not gonna buy any more new books. And then the next day on Instagram or something I posted up like David Sedaris has a new book coming out. And I was like, No, oh, I have to buy that. She was like, No, you said I said, Yeah, that's that's not gonna work.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, no, sorry, that didn't work. And then yeah, it's just rubbish. But anyway, um we will I think have another chat later and we'll have to catch up.
1: Definitely. Yeah. and And that's it. Yep. Cool. All right.